Hello and welcome to the 26th episode of Podspod. This is a very special episode because what you're about to hear is uh, is an interview with Kurt Kenny from the the Union Tribune, a sports writer for the Union Tribune. He's got a new book out. It's called uh, 100 Things Padre Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. And I think he's already interviewed with uh, with Darren, but uh, you know, we we got a, we got some sloppy seconds or thirds. So yeah, uh, what you're about to hear is uh, is an interview with 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 Kirk uh, about the book and about the Padres in general. I no bullshit. Uh, both of us really enjoyed this book. Um, Manny, thoughts on the book? Love it. Yeah, you and I were, were both. We we are we were born in in the mid '80s. Uh, we didn't become fans until the early '90s, um, and so just just to learn about uh, there's so many little tidbits and nuggets that, that I learned from uh, from reading this book. Um, so it was a great trip. Uh, it was a great. Um, a great history lesson and a great uh, trip down memory lane as far as uh, a nostalgic trip down memory lane. Um, just reading about the the ninety the ninety six season, the ninety eight season. Uh, reading about Tony and uh, yeah, man, I, I thoroughly enjoy the book. Yeah, as did I. Um, agree with everything Manny said. Um, I think it's a it's a nice book for for a millennial like like myself, some just really cool anecdotes about how Tony Gwynn got his number, how Steve Garvey got his number, cool inside stories about San Diego Chicken. Uh, just, I don't know, I thought it, reading this book, I thought it connected well to the last podcast and, and our discussion about identity as a Padres fan, which you'll hear in the interview uh, us discuss with Kirk. But uh, I think you can read this book and get a better sense of, of you know, where this franchise has been and where it's going and just some, some cool tidbits of information is an easy read. You can jump around. Um, it's it's just a cool book to have in your collection. And, uh, uh, they did send us a free book, but they certainly didn't pay us. And we actually, we actually both, both liked it a lot. Anything else to say before we get to get to the interview with Kirk? Go buy the book. Yep. 100 things. Padres.blogspot.com is where you can get the book, or you can get it at Amazon.com, which uh, Kirk mentions at the end of the interview. But we'll double plug. Um, all right. So for your listening pleasure, Kirk Kenny uh, on his book, 100 Things Padre Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, slash croak, slash bite the dust. Puts, 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 all right, everyone. We are joined by Kirk Kenny, sports writer for the Union Tribune. He's gonna He's here to discuss his new book, 100 things Padres fans should know and do before they die. Uh, Manny and I have had a chance to look at the book. Uh, very enjoyable. Uh, Kirk, thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot. Glad to be here, guys. Okay, so uh, before we get into the book uh, itself and some specifics, we, we questions we had, uh, could you give the listeners like a little bit, little bit of background about your own experience uh, as a writer, maybe growing up in San Diego as a Padres fan, and, and maybe how that influenced you to write this book? Sure. I was uh, born and raised in San Diego. I grew up in La Mesa, just about 10 miles from the stadium. So I guess as a kid, I figured that all kids had a stadium and Major League Baseball within 10 miles of their house. And uh, basically, I grew up almost from the start of the franchise. I was born in 61 and the franchise came around in 69. So I got to enjoy it almost from the inception. Um, also, in my teens and 
early 20s, I worked at the stadium in the vending department, so I was around the ballpark a lot then, and, and my enjoyment of baseball and, and being around Padres baseball in particular grew from there. I don't, I don't want to give away anything from the book, but it, uh, in, in the acknowledgement section, you mentioned that, that uh, the right field uh, at Qualcomm Stadium has a special uh, meaning for you and your, and your wife. Uh, you want to explain that just because I, I love that part of the book right from the beginning? <laughs> uh, actually, it was the other side. Um, Oops. I've, I've been a sports writer since the mid-'80s, and uh, when I was getting engaged to my wife, I told her that uh, I never had gotten a picture of myself interviewing anybody so i said can you come down to the foul pole uh near the pottery's bullpen and i'll be interviewing somebody and so she came down there with a camera and uh i walked out and she looked confused because there wasn't anybody else there and, and i walked out into left field and looked up to her in the stands and uh she's right at the rail there and i said i know this is coming out of left field but will you marry me <laughs> and so uh that's how we got engaged that that is one of the best stories i've ever heard i love that <laughs> Uh, Manny, uh, you got a question for for Kurt? Yeah, straight out from from the first chapter, I think it's it's very fitting that that you start off this book um, about Tony, and um, with with his anniversary of, of his death just having passed, um, you know he's on all of our minds. And um, just what is your personal your favorite memory of of Tony? There's so many different ones to choose from, but I think the one for this week I chose was uh, with the College World Series here. Um, getting to go play golf with him once when we were back in Omaha. I was covering for the paper, the College World Series, and Tony was out there doing some broadcasting work for ESPN. And on an off day, uh, we got to go out to the golf course, and we were playing out there. And about the 11th hole, it was a little par three, and there were people on the green, so we were sitting there waiting. And, uh, and the other foursome behind us rode up, and they were waiting too. And one guy quickly popped out of the cart because he uh, wanted to go shake hands with Tony and tell him all about how big of a Tony Gwynn and Padres fan he was and how his son had played for the Padres team in Little League and all. And uh, finally the green cleared, so stepped up to the tee and hit our shots. And Tony hit his about eight feet from the flag. And as we're getting back in the cart and riding up to the green, he turns and he says, my booty was sure tight on that one. And I said, <laughs> how the heck could you, could you feel nervous in that situation? You've played baseball in front of 60,000 people. And he goes, yeah, but this isn't my game. And I turned back to that foursome behind us, and I said, well, they sure think it is. And he got a chuckle out of that, and, and we continued on our way. But that, that memory always stuck with me, how this guy could be so calm at the plate with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball coming up to him, but here's a little golf ball sitting there, and he was nervous. Mm, that so. speaks to his humility, and uh, yeah, how, how lucky for you to be able to experience that with him. That's, that, that's awesome. Question about... Uh, a specific chapter uh, early on in the book, you talk about uh, Ray Kroc, and uh, you mentioned that the the like the inspirational effect that Kroc's death had on the the nineteen eighty four team, and and one of the, I mean one of the most famous stories that of course you mentioned in the book as well is the is when Kroc grabbed the microphone against the Astros and and gave the famous quote about I've never seen such stupid ball playing in all my life, uh, how. Why did the, why do you think that the players had such an affection for him if if kind of their introduction to him was was him being openly critical, uh, maybe especially uh, poignant after Fowler's comments recently? But uh, any thoughts on that? Why he was so inspirational to that team? I think it, obviously in that one instance they they weren't too happy with him, but then again it totally endeared him to the fans forever. 
But then over the next decade, that was in 1974 when he got on the microphone. So by 84, he had just passed away six months before. But over that decade, he really showed to be not only a big fan, but a pretty good owner. He did whatever he could to try and bring free agents to the Padres. And, and finally, they were just there to turn the corner. They had all the makings of a championship team uh, when he passed away. So he didn't live to see it. But I think, uh, you know, putting his initials on the uniforms and, and uh, having his widow Joan Croc around, you know, the players really felt that they wanted to go out and win it for him. And I think uh, that's what they did, especially against the Cubs. Right. During your research for the book, did you encounter anything that you didn't expect to include originally? Um, you know, d did you learn anything surprising uh, while writing the book? One thing that stuck out to me, in the, there's a chapter on the uh, 1968 expansion draft. And uh, when Buzzy Bavese came down to lead the Padres, he had been with the Dodgers for years and years. And one thing I came across that I had never heard before was that uh, the guy who replaced him with the Dodgers was in the hospital and he was uh, dying of cancer, in fact. But he was asking Buzzy uh, shortly before the expansion draft what Dodgers he was going to take. And uh, Buzzy mentioned to him and, and the guy asked if there were a couple guys he said, would you you know, not take those guys? And he goes, well, two of them you better keep off, keep on your list because if I don't take either one of those guys, somebody will know that something's up because they're really good players. But there was a third guy. He goes, ah, nobody's heard of him, so don't worry about it. Well, it turned out that that guy that nobody had heard about was Bill Russell. So the Padres wow. could have had a shortstop for their first 10 years. Instead, they uh, kind of languished with guys like Enzo Hernandez, who was kind of a cult favorite, but <laughs> didn't do much uh, on the field. That that yeah, there's there's all kinds of stuff like that in the book. Uh, I mean, we're Manny and I are millennials, and uh, so we we missed uh, you know a good portion of of the Padres' existence. But um, so there's a lot of stuff like how how Flannery or how Garvey got his number, or how Tony got his number. Uh, that that just within like the the first fifty pages of the book are you know I had no idea about and uh, and are pretty pretty cool to know. Um, and then that that's that's another great example. Um, what did, Kirk? Did you have any like uh, as far as the order of the chapters? So there's a you know a hundred chapters or a hundred different you know subtopics. Uh, did did you did you order them in in any way in particular, or is it uh, did you have any any logic to how the book was ordered? Originally, the publisher wanted me to do them in order of the most important to least, but and and the first probably ten or twenty, I tried to kind of follow that, but. I thought it'd be more fun to baseball is such a game of numbers. A lot of the numbers hold a significance. You know, 19 is the number Tony got, and six is Garvey, and and then I took like 51 I used for Trevor Hoffman, and number 35 for Randy Jones, or uh, like for the 68 expansion draft I made that number 68. So I tried to do a little bit of that, and uh, I think a lot of fans pick up on that, but others maybe didn't. But you know, it's kind of hard to, to make everything one to a hundred and, and have it in exact order because people obviously are going to debate it. But I thought by kind of mixing in some, some of the numbers of baseball, that would make it a little more fun. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I actually I found that enjoyable. Um, the fact that it wasn't in any, it wasn't in a specific uh, thematic or chrono chronological order. It, um, I don't know, it, it makes for a great read where you can read a few chapters here read a few chapters then, you know. It's... Right, you can kind of bounce around. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, th is there anything going on right now with the Padres that you think would be worthy of uh, future books or as an epilogue uh, to this one? 
Well, one thing I was hoping that I was hoping that Trevor would make the Hall of Fame this year. That was announced in January, and and I had a little window that if he had made it, we could have included that in the book. Mm-hmm. So that was something that if you know we get it updated in the next couple of years, I'll definitely get that when Trevor gets in. Also, I pay a lot of attention to them trying to get that first no hitter, and and I'd sure like to include that in the next year or two. <laughs> I've noticed that uh, that on Twitter, uh, you you you're you're definitely uh, watching for that no hitter. <laughs> Yeah, it's become very fascinating to me, and uh, people, I kind of have, have a little fun with it each day, and, and I know when the first hit comes, but uh, I, I thought we might have one there a few weeks ago when, when Colin Ray went into the seventh with one, and so, you know, one of these days it's going to happen, it's just got to, right? Yeah, I, I, I think I screwed that one up, I texted my friend to, to watch the game, so because uh, the no-hitter was going on, so that was my fault. So but, uh, I'm, I'm calling it right here, Kirk, it's going to be Christian Betancourt. You know what? That would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? But you know what? That'd be just like the Padres, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. <laughs> Kirk, what are your thoughts on the current state of the of the Padres? You know, I, I think they're really – they haven't really found their way. Now, they just had the draft, and they're going to have the international signings coming up here. So hopefully they can find some players that will develop and maybe create a foundation for the future. I, you know, the hope I would have is – if you looked at Pittsburgh and Kansas City, they went almost 20 years without having winning teams. and But they now have put it together, and they've got some very good teams. But it, a lot of it's the foundation has got to be set through the draft and, and uh, developing young players, and I think that's what the Padres have to do. So if they can start doing that and then maybe mix in with some, some uh, free agents or others that they acquire through trades, you know, maybe they get it headed again in the right direction. But, but right now I think they're at a real crossroads where they just really the franchise is kind of – not rudderless, but they they don't have a really good direction right now. I I feel. Yeah, I think that that's how a lot of us are feeling. And uh, well, if nothing else, uh, no hitter soon is is what we're we're hoping for. All right, Kurt, uh, last uh, I think last question that we have for you. Um, so on the on the last episode of the of this podcast, we kind of pondered like what is the Padres' identity as a French as a, as a franchise? You know, the Yankees have a have a certain identity of of you know of being classy or, or, you know, things like that. Clubs, certain clubs have identities. And we were kind of stumped about what the Padres' identity was. Um, and I think one thing that's cool about this book is that, is that for us, like searching for that answer, you can kind of read through it and, and begin to, to maybe get some ideas of your own about what, what the identity of the franchise is. But do you have any ideas on that? If somebody said, what's the identity of the Padres? Would, would, how would you answer them? Well, one thought that first comes to mind, if you say San Diego Padres, I think the first thing anybody would think about is Tony Gwynn because he was here for 20 years and he's a Hall of Famer and on and on and on. Uh, another thought that comes to mind, this was the birth of the, of the chicken. And, uh, you know, which you can, you can kind of laugh, chuckle about that. But at the same time, he's a pretty significant piece of baseball history. And he, he started here. He took flight here. Um, but... Hopefully in the next few years, you know, they'll kind of get their act together and, and write another chapter on making the playoffs, maybe making the World Series, and, and maybe some of that can be part of their lore. Because at this point, you know, they've had so few and far between successful seasons that, you know, there's not really something to really hang your hat on. But, but if it is hanging it on Tony Gwynn, I think that's a pretty good place to go. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I, ch- I, I actually I love the, uh, the chapter on the chicken. I didn't know that, that he was from Hoover. Yeah, which, yep. Which uh, grew up right near nearby there. Yeah, and the fact that you that you started off with uh, 
you know, the the most famous uh, San Diegan named Ted isn't isn't who you'd think it right. it would be. Uh, <laughs> got that kind of chuckle out of me. Um, well, Gert, thank you for coming on. Um, really appreciate it. Both of us honestly enjoyed the book. Um, there's not a lot of material out this. Like, there's I, I feel like there's not a lot of 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 things these uh, books or uh, publications that that a Padre fan can own and kind of put on their on their coffee table. And uh, th- this is definitely a, a cool addition to ours. Um, if you guys want to get the book, uh, which which we very much encourage, uh, it's uh, it's available at a uh, hundred things Padres dot blogspot dot com. Is that is that true, Kurt? That's that's correct. One hundred things dot dot com, or they could also find it on Amazon. Okay, and. Uh, Good Father's Day gift. Uh, if if you're running late like I am, uh, okay, Kirk. Th- Meet the time. Yes, <laughs> uh, Amazon has one day shipping. You can still do it. Um, all right, Kirk. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking your your Friday evening to spend some time with us and uh, have a good one. Have a good weekend. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Kirk. Puts 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 puts. All right, so we hope that you guys enjoyed that interview with Kirk. Uh, he was really cool, um, and that was our first interview and probably last. So, uh, if you're a PodsPod fan, it's nothing but downhill from here. Um, we wanted to include an epilogue to this episode because right after the interview, Manny told me about his revelation regarding what the Padres' identity is, and. As, as you may or may not know, on the last episode, we discussed what the Padres' identity is or was. Kirk had some ideas, as you heard in the interview, but Manny and I were kind of stumped. And Manny, you came to a revelation about the Padres' identity while reading Kirk's book. Tell the listeners about that. Por favor, mijo. <laughs> yeah, no, I really did. Uh... I th- I think it was like a, a accumulating uh, revelation, but and 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 it finally it was it, I I had my 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 light bulb moment eureka moment my eureka moment um when when I when I read the chapter on on the friar um and and so Kirk has a, a chapter in the fry uh in the book about how the friar mascot came to be. And it was actually some like a high school kid who came up with it, um, and and it's and it really is like I don't and, and and that's my whole question like are we biased to think that the Friar mascot is definitely the best mascot in baseball? Um, I think that you could certainly make the argument that it is the worst mascot in baseball. Uh, so yeah, I do think that we're biased to think that it's cool. Uh, when you, I'm, I'm, I sometimes wonder why the friar isn't included in discussions. Um, when we talk about like the Cleveland Indians or the Washington Redskins, our mascot is a, uh, missionary who people in that role can, uh, forcibly assimilated Native Americans into the Christian religion. Uh, so you can, I think you could easily make the argument that that the friar is a terrible mascot. But of course, it's also really unique, and it's also uniquely Southern California, which is why we like it. 
so to answer your question long-windedly, yes, I think we are biased. But but what's your what do you agree? And what's your what was your revelation? Ultimately, what, what, what I realized was if there is one word to describe the Padres, it is we are a charming ball club. Like everything about from from the brown and the yellow to the friar to to our the 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 face of our franchise is is Tony Gwynn and and that you know T- Tony's is as uh, is as charming as as a person gets that, um, that laugh man that laugh is just yeah I mean we are and 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 San Diego as a city you know we're not a big city we we are a charming little city we're a charming mid-level city mm-hmm. um everything about us is just charming when you said that, I, I, uh, I just, yeah, my light bulb went off too, and I was like, I totally agree. I mean, it's kind of like a part in the analogy, but the friar, it's like, yeah, it could be, it could be like racist and like colonialist, but but it's kind of cute. Uh, and 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 like you said earlier, when we were talking off the air, the brown and yellow is ugly, but somehow we made it look cool. It, it has character. It has character. The font, the lettering, everything just mm. works, and that's why that's why people hate so much that we we've we've gone away from that because I think that deep down we all we all kind of recognize that that's the one thing that makes us unique, and it and it is it's not the one thing, but it but it is it is charming, and and Jerry Coleman, yes. the most charming, you know, the most charming maybe person to ever walk the planet. Uh, even Ted Leitner in his in his way yes. is you know controversial. People annoy him, but but he's got that kind of like cross between you know approachability and kind of like ornery Jewish guy, but but a great sense of humor and uh, just yeah, charming. Uh, it, it it really struck a chord with me when you said that. Um. And maybe that's why people hate Mike D so much because he's like the antithesis of charming. He's corporate. Uh, yeah, right. Everybody. And um, yeah, so I think we just wanted to to add a little epilogue to the end of the interview, saying that the Kirk's book helped us come to a conclusion that maybe the Padres do have an identity, at least at least for us, and and it's that we are a charming ball club that. And part of the charm is that we're, you know, we're so bad yet, yet still somehow attractive and, and maybe only to us, but, but yeah, I, I'm fine with that. That's our identity. We're a charming baseball team. Thank you guys for joining us. I hope you enjoyed, uh, Kirk talking about his book and you guys have a great night and go fuck yourselves. You, 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 you. Pods, 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 pods.